Happy holidays, dear listener. Welcome to my first ever special holiday edition of the Movie Brewer podcast. Today we're talking about a film from the 90s that probably wouldn't make a list of the top 10 best holiday films. Probably wouldn't make a list of the top 20 best holiday films, but it still holds a dear place in my heart. Uh, A lot of holiday films attempt to capture the spirit of the time that they're creative, and I think that Jingle All the Way is able to do that in spades. But before we get into it, let's crack a beer. Spoilers ahead, this is the Movie Brewer Podcast. So I have a bottle here in front of me of Mad Elf from Trogues Independent Brewing, uh, one of their flagship holiday beers. Trogues is based out of Hershey, Pennsylvania, and was founded by John and Chris Trogner in 1996. Hey, look at that same year as Jingle All the Way came out. Uh, The name Trogues, and that's with an umlaut in there, uh, is a combination of the founder's surname and the Dutch word Krug, uh, which translates roughly to pub. Uh, Mad Elf itself seems to be a rather complex beer. Uh, as I said, it's a, a an ale, a Belgian strong ale to be precise. Uh, 11% ABV. It has Munich and Pilsner malt uh, and Hallertau, Hallertau and Saz hops. But I'm told I should expect hints of cherry, chocolate, honey, and peppercorn in here as well. Uh, so I'm anticipating a lot from this first sip. It says enjoy in a tulip glass, so that's what I've got here. And let's pour this sucker and see how we feel. It's always nice when an entire beer fits in the glass you've got. So, looking at it here, it's very dark. Darker than I expected, um, but you hold it up to the light. It's got a nice dark maroon red tint to it. Very festive for the holidays. About a finger, maybe two fingers of head on the top here, but not too crazy. Uh, Let me see. In terms of smell, it smells, well, it smells like an ale, as one would expect. I feel like I'm getting a couple hints of the cherries I'm supposed to to be seeing in there. Um, Nothing overpowering, though. And let's, all right, here we go. Let's do the first sip and see how we feel. That's really good. That's... That's really good. Uh, I've never actually had this before, but you can taste the complexity. Let's see. I can taste the chocolate a little bit. Yeah. The honey and the peppercorn. Oh, yeah. Oh, now that I think about it. Yep. The peppercorn's definitely in there. And yeah, this is this is very nice. Overall, we'll see how my conversations go while I'm drinking this. Like I said, it is 11%, so it could hang around in my mouth for a little while and uh, make me say some stupid stuff, but... We'll see how it goes. On to Jingle All the Way. Uh, I'm going to give you, as I always do, a brief synopsis, but going through the plot points of a movie is not always the point of the Movie Brewer podcast here, so I am going to keep this short. Howard Langston, played by Arnold Schwarzenegger, mattress mogul of Minneapolis, is constantly working and constantly disappointing his son, Jamie. Uh, After missing yet another important event, Howard has one last chance. Get Jamie, the hot toy of the season, a coveted Turbo Man action figure. Too bad for Howard, the chances of him getting this toy are slim to none. Along with a disgruntled mailman named Myron, played by Sinbad, 
Howard tries everything he can to get the toy before he disappoints Jamie once again. Reads like a classic Christmas story. The themes here are are pretty recognizable. Everyone has heard the story of the crazy Black Friday and Christmas Eve rushes. Uh, it seems every year there's some new trend to chase down. For me, I remember opening up a, a red Power Ranger action figure one Christmas morning when I was a kid and listening to my mom regale us with stories of how she actually got her hands on one. Hi, Mom. But be it Power Rangers or Cabbage Patch dolls or Tickle Me Elmo, there's always some must-have hot toy, and that's where the origins of this script really come from. The original script was penned by a man named Randy Cornfield and was actually inspired by the same Power Rangers rush that I remember. Not much else can be said for Cornfield's career. He's credited for the story in Eight-Legged Freaks, but not really much else. The other player involved from the beginning in this scripting process, however, was Chris Columbus. Chris Columbus you'll know from a lot of different things, but most likely Home Alone 1 and 2, Mrs. Doubtfire, and the first two Harry Potter movies. Columbus had had an experience trying to get a Buzz Lightyear action figure for his kids in 1995 and helped bring Cornfield's script to a level that would ultimately get it approved for production at 20th Century Fox. Though in the end, Columbus did not receive an actual writing credit for the film. Jumping forward, I want to pause and jump forward a couple years real quick. In 1998, after the movie had been made and released, 20th Century Fox was sued by a company called Murray Hill Publications, who claimed that Cornfield had stolen the idea of the film from them when he was a script reader at Fox. Murray Hill claimed that their script, Could This Be Christmas, written by a high school teacher named Brian Webster, had many of the same similarities as Jingle All the Way and sought 150k in damages. In 2001, three years later somehow, Fox was found guilty in order to pay 19 million dollars in damages. However, upon appeal, actually the verdict was reversed. It was found that Fox had bought Cornfield's original script treatment before he or anyone else at Fox could have possibly received the Could This Be Christmas script. How that timeline didn't come up in the original lawsuit is kind of beyond me, but hey, dodged a bullet. Coming back to 1996, shortly after Columbus came on board, Brian Levent was locked in as the director. Levent was a director on the rise, having had decent success with the classic doggo film Beethoven, and a smash success with his live-action adaptation of The Flintstones uh, just a couple years prior. He'd proven that he could work with talent on the same level as Schwarzenegger, and Columbus felt that he had a strong vision for the film. So, hey, there you go. You got your main players locked in place. Speaking of major players, Arnold Schwarzenegger was quickly cast as the main character. Uh, he and Chris Columbus had been working together on a reboot of Planet of the Apes that had just fallen apart, and Fox was excited to bring them on board. It was a situation where, as so often happens in this industry, the timing just kind of clicked together and put something kind of special in place. Schwarzenegger had had success in comedic roles previously, most notably Kindergarten Cop, that was the biggest, the biggest one for sure, but also things like Twins and Junior with Danny DeVito, and he was at a high point in his career. And keep in mind, this is... In the 90s, we're still deep in a world where an actor's name alone could be enough to get people into the theater. So let's keep our timeline straight here. 
The Planet of the Apes reboot falls apart in January of 1996. In February, Arnold and Chris Columbus sign on to Jingle All the Way. And this is for a scheduled release in November. Even for a short film that's light on special effects, that is a quick turnaround. But we'll come back to that later. We also get Sinbad in this movie. Chris Columbus originally had wanted Joe Pesci for the role of Myron, the disgruntled mailman, which I would have loved to see. But unfortunately, he was deemed too short to play opposite Arnold Schwarzenegger, which is ridiculous. Everyone remembers twins. Danny DeVito is far shorter than Joe Pesci, right? Somebody check me on that. So instead, through a recommendation by Arnold's agent, we got Sinbad. Now, I don't know a lot about Sinbad and his stand-up. Honestly, I remember him from this movie and Good Burger. I do know that he's known for a much cleaner style of comedy than you might be used to, and the producers, while casting him as Myron, were worried that because of that reputation, he might not play as a villain. Obviously, you know, if someone is known for being a nice, clean, upstanding citizen, having them in a negative role, there's a possibility of backfire there. Obviously, they got over this concern, especially when Sinbad himself argued that his reputation would actually make him more relatable than inaccessible. Uh, we also get Phil Hartman as neighbor Ted, whose competitive nature and unrequited love of Howard's wife culminates in a scene that very much does not age well at all. Said wife Liz is played by Rita Wilson, uh, wife of Howard and mother to Jamie. I feel a little odd referring to her as such, but honestly, there's very little else given to her character development. Uh, Wilson herself is one of those actresses who seems to have the ability to pop up in the most unexpected places, peruse her IMDb. She's been in all kinds of stuff that you wouldn't expect. And then we have Jake Lloyd. Jake Lloyd, who would become the much-discussed young Anakin Skywalker when Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace comes out just a few years later. There's also a litany of other smaller cameos in this film. We see Chris Parnell in his film debut, uh, which I guess makes it not so much a cameo per se. The warehouse Santa scene is also dotted with would-be celebrities, including Vern Troyer as the smallest Santa and WWE's Big Show as the largest Santa. Interestingly enough, 18 years later, we would get a standalone straight-to-DVD sequel to Jingle All the Way starring Larry the Cable Guy, uh, and that was actually produced by WWE Studios. I don't know if there's any kind of tie-in there because Big Show was in the original, but I like to think there is, so here we go. And then we get Jim Belushi as the corrupt Santa peddling counterfeit Turbo Man dolls. Quite the cast have we. Production kicked off on April 15th, 1996. For those keeping track at home, that's about two months since both the director and the star were signed on. I say again, this film has a crazy fast timeline. They shot for five weeks, mostly in Minnesota. Uh, locations were spread out between both of the Twin Cities, and as a result in the script, Minneapolis and St. Paul kind of merged into this giant single unnamed city. I think the only real reference to it is on the side of the cop cars that say Twin City Police Department. So I guess it's all supposed to be one big metropolis. At the time of this production, Jingle All the Way was the largest production ever to take place in Minnesota, uh, which proved to be both a blessing and a curse. 
They enjoyed a lot of flexibility from the state and the cities, but at the same time, local residents, in their excitement, went to watch the filming in droves, so much so that at times they had to stop filming because of the crowds. Levant described it as an impossible environment to shoot in. Uh, This was especially true during the scenes filmed in the Mall of America, which is in Minneapolis, which is honestly not an inconsequential amount of the film. The final parade scene, wherein Arnold saves the day through sheer luck and appropriate body size, was in fact not filmed in Minnesota, but rather in the back lot of Universal Studios in Hollywood. For the most part, this seemed to be a budgetary and logistic concern, but it's also the scene with the largest scope of the whole film, so you can't really fault them for that, wanting to be in a place where they have access to all of the resources that they know they're going to need is, a, is kind of a no-brainer. So as I said, production lasted for five weeks and went into post-production in August. Uh, the film was slated for a November 22nd release date, and it said that Columbus and Levant were tweaking the edit until hours before the final deadline. They did do some pre-screenings before the actual release date to sort of tweak it in. So some people, you know, saw it a little early, I suppose, but I say la vie. Now, you'd think that with a film like this, the licensing would really be out of control. Turbo Man, Booster, Dementor, these are all toys in the movie. Of course, they would be toys that you could buy for your kids when they inevitably wanted one of their own after seeing the movie, right? But you have to keep in mind, again, the timeline of this film. Integrations like that, toys, company tie-ins, Happy Meals, etc., etc., usually take more than a year, usually around 18 months, really, to coordinate and produce and ship and get on shelves. Jingle All the Way it was greenlit, cast, shot, and edited in about 10 months. And the design for all of these characters wouldn't be a final lock until about halfway through that. There just wasn't time for a full line of product tie-ins. In the end, Tiger Toys and Electronics released one 13.5-inch Turbo Man action figure for Christmas that year. That's it. One. A sad twist of timing fate. So let's talk about the reception here for a second. When Jingle All The Way was released, it was pretty unanimously slammed by the critics. It stands, as of this recording, at a 15% on Rotten Tomatoes. Domestically, it did an anemic $60 million in its entire domestic run, which is more or less equal to its budget. If you include the international sales of $69 million, we're looking at just shy of $130 million total gross. For an Arnold Schwarzenegger film, this is rough. For a reference, his previous film, Eraser, had done $242 million globally. But then again, Schwarzenegger has never really been known for his comedies. Save for Kindergarten Cop, which is still wildly quotable, he's an action star through and through. But overall, I tend to agree with the critics. I think Jingle All the Way is a little off balance. There are some scenes that are laugh-out-loud funny, but some that are legitimately hard to bear. Arnold chasing a rubber ball through the Mall of America and into a playground swings into cringeworthy slapstick and is borderline uncomfortable. But in the end, I think the film has two things going for it. For one, it's wildly relatable. As I said at the top, I think everyone has that story of when they had to go above and beyond for a gift. I don't have kids but even I remember trying to track down a Nintendo Wii a few weeks before Christmas and being laughed at at the employees at GameStop. Yeah. And secondly, 
Even while Jake Lloyd's performance is objectively not that great, the emotional core of the relationship between the characters of Jamie and his dad and the subsequent struggles that they go through gives the film a heart that makes the campiness forgivable. Overall, yeah, I like like I said at the top, I, I do love this film. For me, it always takes a moment to get into it. Watching Howard's backstory unfold in the beginning feels like it takes much longer than it should. You feel the, the script yearning to get to the actual toy hunting. But but yeah, I overall, like I said, this movie holds a special place in my heart. Um, I do watch it every Christmas without fail. And there's something to be said for that. There's something to be said for something that you keep coming back to, even if you know it's terrible. Okay, so that was a rapid fire episode. I feel like I'm, I've only had a little bit of this beer, but let me come back to my Mad Elf here. I'm really digging this. It is a little hard to drink. I didn't fully appreciate it when I first started drinking this, but you can taste the alcohol in here. Overall, as it warms up a little bit, it's still delicious. It's still very complex. I do feel like the honey is coming out a little bit more uh, as I drink it, which I'm excited about. And overall, yeah, it's it's tasty. I do want to give a shout out to Trogues Independent Brewing for being a locally sourced brewery. All of their ingredients for all of their beers come from the farms of Pennsylvania. And I think there's something to be said for that. There's, you know, a, a big push for local community and things like that, that I'm a big fan of. And, you know, it makes me happy to drink beers that champion that mentality. So I'm going to, I'm going to bring it home here. Uh, I'm going to run through my quick facts here. I got a couple interesting ones. So here we go. First off being that Turbo Man was originally going to be called Turbo Tom. Do with that what you will. Uh, the real Turbo Man action figures that were released by Tiger Electronics are currently on eBay going for around $200. While the Turbo Man toys, like I said, weren't the hot thing in real life, the film did come out and coincide the same year as the Tickle Me Elmo craze. Uh, at one point, and this is interesting, at one point during the film, Howard says to Jamie, so Schwarzenegger says to to Jake Lloyd, you see, Jamie, I am your dot, dot, dot. He's about to say father. Uh, Jake Lloyd, of course, would then later go on to play Anakin Skywalker, who becomes Darth Vader, who utters that famous line. Uh, and then, so like I said, the movie did $60 million domestically, $69 million internationally for about $129 million, $130 million total. It was the 22nd highest grossing film of 1996. The number one being Independence Day, which came in at $306 million. I guess that's two episodes now that I've done from films in 1996. So... Jingle All the Way did come in above Mars Attacks. Um, and that's what I got. So yeah, I'm going to keep drinking this beer. I'm really enjoying it. But that'll do it for this episode of the Movie Brewer Podcast. As always, you can find me on social media. I'm active on Twitter and Instagram at The Movie Brewer. Uh, you can read my film reviews on Letterboxd. You can read my beer reviews on Beer Advocate. And as always, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear if you have any suggestions for films that you'd like me to do, ones that you know have great stories behind them or you think might have great stories behind them. And that'll do it for the final episode of 2019 of the Movie Brewer podcast. I'm going to obviously keep this going when we get into 2020. I have a whole fun lineup coming at you. The next episode will be on January 2nd. So it'll be perfect for when you've recovered from your January 1st. 
and I hope you'll tune in and listen up. And I thank you for listening to this episode. Once again, my name is Andrew Scott Willis, and this is the Movie Brewer Podcast.